Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is one of my favorite exercises to do with the K-Poly, and that is the pull-through. Guys, once you've figured out about how far you need to walk out with the K-Poly, grab whatever attachment you're using for the pulley, walk yourself out there, and really push your hips back at the K-Poly. From there, when you hit that stretch, really punch your hips forward, keep your chest up, and try to extend your knees and your hips all the way through. And this is where one of the major benefits of using a flywheel kicks in, as it pulls you into a deeper stretch as you push your hips back in, into your hamstrings and your hip extensors, so that you really open it up and stretch everything out in the back. This is an exercise that I'm sure your athletes are going to love to hate, but reap awesome rewards from. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Don, it's a pleasure to have you back, man. I'm excited to get this down. I'm excited to talk. I think that this is a conversation that coaches need to, to get more involved in. So I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. I wish it were on a, a, a lighter circumstances, but you know, it's conversations that need to be had. So I'm, completely 100% fine having them. Yeah. You know, and I think too, people like to call these hard conversations. And I, I said this after the, the talk I did with the guys, you know, I, I think that that's step one when it comes to us starting to move forward is to kind of eliminate these cop-outs when we talk about how like, oh, well, it's a hard conversation. So people get nervous and they get worried about having them. You know, it's, if you care about the people that you're around and you care about the people that you get to work with and, and you care about the people, you know, like, like us, you know, colleagues in the profession, it, it's not a hard conversation. It's a conversation that we need to have because we need to be better for each other. So let's have the conversation, man. You've been super active down there in the, the Black Lives Matter movement since things that have, you know, the, the two tragic events that happened about a month ago from when this will when this will release so let's talk about that a little bit man let's talk about what you're doing down there let's talk about what these events are like and how things are moving and, and what you're seeing so for me like uh I, and i think there's so much like so many ways and like I, I we were talking about earlier i have 29 years of 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 oppression and racism that i just trying to make sure i articulate as well as possible 
But when it comes to the movement and everything, the only thing I'm trying to do is keep the things going. You know what I mean? And make sure that this isn't just a, a blimp or, you know, personally for me, the civil rights movement, awesome. What did they give us? They gave us things they didn't care about, right? Uh, that's the way I look at it anyway. And, and then, you know, other things happen that just continue to oppress us. So for me, it's just making sure that I'm having the conversation, that I'm making sure everyone's aware that these conversations need to be had. Uh, if you're not comfortable having them, well, too bad, because I'm going to have them. And giving our athletes, both white and black, uh, 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 a voice. And you know what? If you're not comfortable, let me be your voice. Or if you're upset or something's going on, talk to me about it and give them a path from, of someone to talk to. But I'm just a, a small little blimp in, in, in this whole thing. I think the movement, like any movement, is bigger than one person. And I'll never pretend to be one person about it. Uh, you know, and like I said, it's just just a lot of stuff you're trying to digest and you're trying to figure out. Like for me, uh, you know, as far as people not speaking, people not talking, uh, you know, my parents come from a mindset of if you, if the white man, I'm not saying every white person, I'm just you telling you what they say. If the white man gives you something, you say thank you. Because if you start talking about it, they'll take it away from you. So in talking and protesting, uh, you know, joining these protests, doing what I do on social media, because those are my platforms that I've been giving to be able to use. I have the gift, gift of gab, you know that. But like my parents, even my, my father, who, you know, we're, we're getting closer, but he's hit me up and said, hey, if they can lynch people in big cities, think what they can do to you. So like, it, you know, it's been a thing where it's been like, hey, don't talk, don't speak. But this is the first time in 29 years of life that I feel comfortable speaking. So I'm going to take this moment and speak because if I don't, I, I'm taking the side of the oppressor. I truly believe that. And hopefully me speaking helps other people feel comfortable speaking, you know, because once one person does it, you know, once one person broke the world record for the mile, now everyone's breaking the world record for the mile. And that's kind of how I see myself is, you know what, maybe some coaches are still afraid that if they speak, the white man will take the stuff away from them. Well, I'll speak and hopefully you have the courage to continue to speak or speak out if you haven't already. Yeah, and I, you know, one, I know that you probably don't want to be told this, but that is exceptionally brave to be able to, to sit there and say, I'm going to step in front of this and I'm going to say, yo, like, no, like enough is enough. And if, if you're afraid to be a soundboard, use me as the soundboard because, you know, it, you're right. It, it, these things aren't about one person, but these things are about one-on-one -on -one conversations. And it's about people starting talking with each other and making sure that we understand what's going on. And, you know, this is a unique time period where all of this is evolving around because what's good with it, good relatively with it, is that we're in the middle of this COVID thing. So you can't really hide from what's going on. And I think that this has been different from these other situations because like we were talking before, like, you know, people talk about 92 and what happened then, but even more recently, right? There's been other instances of situations where law enforcement has probably handled some things pretty incorrectly. And there have been 
uh, reactions to it, but it hasn't stayed the course. You know, it, there are still marches. There are still things going on. And what's unfortunate right now is for some reason, there's also still police officers making mistakes in these situations, which blows my mind. And I, you know, for me, and that's the, and I, I love the younger generation. I do. And I'm young myself. For me, I think that the older you get, or the, the younger you are, the further you get away from history, right? So the police force, whatever, there's, there's you know, all that kind of stuff, that's not our problem. Like, that is part of, that is a very small part of the bigger problem. When we look at the system, the whole system is flawed, and we need to start figuring out how to fix that. Not only our part of it, right, because we, you know, Black people mess themselves up too, but the system isn't designed to help us out. So how do we fix all those things and not focus hate at a certain little part? Because even if we we could fix the police force, right? We'd still be oppressed in different ways. I mean, college athletics, I think, is 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 flawed general. Like everyone thinks everything's escaped from college athletics. I think that's BS. Most of the racism I've encountered in my life has been through college athletics. I'm not saying any place is specific, but that everything that I've seen, everything, you know, when I talk to strength coaches, blah, 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 how they felt, how they felt oppressed, blah, blah, blah. Strength coaches work for college athletics. Uh, outside of the, you know, for a long time in my life, you know, I, I grew up with, with all kinds of people, right? Uh, and my mom used to always say, you have to work twice as hard to get half as far as a, as a, a Caucasian person. And I was like, nah, mom, like I have friends here, have friends there, have friends like, you know, all races, right? And then as I got older and got out of the bubble of high school, I realized, oh no, like I, <laughs> I ain't, you know, I, this is what life is going to be like. This is how they're going to treat me. This is no matter how high I climb, I'm still going to be held down because I am black. And anyone, and I was just talking to someone, you know, I, I see a lot of white females supporting the, the movement. And I feel bad because, not bad, but I know I've had conversations with white females and some of them for the first time are understanding what it's like to be black. So anytime you associate yourself with a black man, you're almost a subhuman in, in certain ways. They're getting, they're getting uh, you know, bad remarks thrown at them. They're getting a lot of shade thrown at them. People are coming at their heads about stuff. They're like, why is this happening? I say, because now you're part of us. And if you're part of us, then you're just as low as we are in some people's minds. I'm not saying everyone, but you know, just in those instances. So it's a, uh, you know, I know I'm rambling on. I said there's tons of stuff, 29 years of stuff bottled up, but it's just hard times, man. It's hard times. It's always a hard times, but now we're bringing it to light and pushing it forward. And I think everyone needs to know what it is. Yeah. And I also think, though, that like we spoke about before, how did we say this? Not that it's getting better, but it's like almost at that tipping point where things have the opportunity to actually have substantial change. And I think that really, you know, people owe a lot of that to the same kids that we talk about every day, man, these 18 to 22 yeah. year olds <laughs> that we joke about, we call them knuckleheads and we got to do this generation. Yo, yeah. for well, real, I love man. this generation, this generation, this generation is changing the world. And like, as much as we talk about this generation, they're the ones that are being the biggest activists in all this, 
from any race. You know what I mean? And 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 and, and just to 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 put this precaution out there and get this out of the way, people say all lives matter, and that's great. But at the at the you know if you're if you're going to the doctor right and your your arm is broken, and you go, hey doctor, my arm's broken. Will you check it out? They're not gonna be. Well, what about the rest of the body? They're gonna look at your broken arm because that's the part that's that's hurting right now. All lives do matter, but right now we have another broken part of the body that needs a lot of help. And these kids from every single uh, uh, economic background, every single uh, different race, they're really banding together. Uh, and it's it's beautiful to watch. And it's beautiful to see. And that's the the beauty that I get to see of college athletics. Of you know even and I again, it's not about me at the very least. Uh, uh, and I'll say this after, but. Uh, you know, they're coming and supporting and, hey, Coach Day, how can we help her? Coach Day, do you see this? Coach Day, do you see that? Coach Day, isn't this disgusting? Blah, blah, blah. All kinds of different backgrounds. And, and, you know, for the whole, it's not about me. You say it's courageous or, you know, whatever it was. Like, I, when it comes to, there's two things about me, all right? One, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. So, you know, for me, dying is, and I'm not, no one's coming after me or trying to threaten me, whatever. But to me, it's, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I die, I go to heaven. Second thing is when you speak out, you know, if you've been told your whole life that you got to be quiet or else uh, uh, you're going to get, you know, you're going to lose your job or you're going to, not that anyone's threatened to take my job away, but bad things will happen to those that speak out against injustice. You get told that by the people that are being oppressed. If you speak out, you just know what it is. So for me, like, you know, if, if, if bad stuff started happening, it just is what it is, but I'm not going to not speak out to help someone else. And that doesn't make me a hero because I'm not, I promise you, not everyone, I'm not the best person in the world or anything like that. I just believe in what I believe in. I'm about what I say I'm about. And if it can help uh, one of my athletes, if it can help my future kids, if it can help anyone else going through these hard situations, I'm going to do it because I don't, I value the movement more than I value my own life. And I don't know, you know, this isn't like a psychology thing we need to dive into, but I've always been that way. And I've always like, I always will be that way. And my wife cries at night about it and I feel bad, but like, it just is how I am. So, you know. But at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, you bring up some, some great examples and some great points, but when we talk about like coaching the kids is like the individual and it's, each person's their own and you need to develop these relationships and you need to be this, that, and the other forum. Why does that not include right now? Why would that not include being there and listening and being better for them right now? Let me, so let me break down my, my theory on college athletics. All right. And we'll say not every college football, but we'll say like certain college football and then I'll answer your question. So there's certain places, right, where, and I'm not saying I've experienced these places, I just know, right? So you, and you come in, right, you, 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 bulk of your kids are African-Americans. And this is a systematic problem. And this is why it's bigger than anything. One of our biggest tools that we can use to help better ourselves and better our people is education, right? That gets you out of the gutter, that gets you out of the hood, that gets you out of whatever, I wasn't the smartest, dude in the world, but my education helped uplift, uplift me. Education is a strong weapon. College football is a huge moneymaker, right, that we don't pay these kids for. We don't directly pay them for. Uh, 
And so what, what happens in college football? You take these BS. If I said, hey, this guy is a biomechanical engineer, you'd be like, oh, that's pretty impressive. If I said an African-American man was a biomechanical engineer, you'd say that was pretty impressive if he's playing college football. Why? Because they give you these majors that are the simplest majors so that you can provide a service, but that service won't provide for you later. What are you going to do with a communications degree? Right. What are you going to do with uh, and we know how hard it is to get into the NFL and how long your lifespan is in the NFL. Right. We know how hard it is to get into coaching and certainly how big of a burnout coaching is. So we have them provide a service for us, but do not service them because it's I truly believe it's part of the systematic problem of dehumanizing and breaking down black men because we're going to take this mass, mass amount of black men. We're going to have them serve us. And we're not going to do anything for them. And I'm not saying that's everywhere, but I mean, look at the numbers. You can look up the numbers and it's, it's easy to see. Uh, but, you know, back to your original question about why it's so hard to have these conversations. I think that, uh, you know, people are completely ignorant. And I said this in a, 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 my presentation the other day. You, if you're a, a high level coach working with football, most are uh, most more than likely just off of the numbers, your, your players are going to be African-Americans, right? So when you look at it this way, you have a nice car, you have a nice house, you have a, a nice wife, you have a nice home you go to, you have nice clothes, you have nice things you're provided for, right? Uh, but those things that are provided for you is off of the backs of African-Americans, right? But you can't speak and you can't say anything. You decide to be neutral or you wait to see uh, uh, is it okay for me to speak? Is this the popular thing to do? Blah, 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 blah. And it's, I think it's, it's, I don't want to say it's racism, but it's something. And it's a lot of ignorance too. And I think that some people don't know how to have the conversations because they can't fathom what we go through. I mean, for instance, people, light-skinned people, you know, I've been told my whole life, if, you know, hey, you talk good, you talk proper, you talk good English, you're white, Don. Or why are you so upset, Don? You you talk good, like well, you you're pretty much a white man. Like I'm a white man. I, well, the noose up the street tells me that I'm not a white man. Uh, me being afraid to 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 break down in any city uh, in the country road tells me I'm not a white man. So I think it's but these are okay because hey, you Don, you speak good, you you proper, like you're a white guy, you're like one of us. That's okay to say, but what you're really saying when you say those things is white is right and black is wrong it should be arrogant and uh, not arrogant but ignorant and savages but white people are educated so if you're educated if you talk educated you're white to be black you have to talk dumb and these are just small little things micro racisms or whatever you want to call them that get built up to where people just can't understand saying something you know what i mean it's just a systematic thing of of honestly, how systematic racism works. I want to touch upon something that you were, you, you hit on earlier in that, and that is the whole idea of the role of college athletics. And I think that, you know, it, everything that's ever written is it says student athlete, right? But I think that, and, and we've had this conversation here, and I'd love to hear your, your thought process on this. I don't know when it happened, but it seems to me at least 
that even across the board, the biggest problem right now that we have in college sports is that the value of the scholarship has been taken away because many of these big sports are looked at as training grounds for the top level pro teams, as opposed to Don wants to study business. He looks at schools X, Y, and Z to go study business that he can do well and he can get in and they offer him a football scholarship. You know, I don't know when that happened or how that happened, but at some time, the value that's provided by the education was pushed aside for people trying to just play. Like at the best school possible or the best program possible or the chance to play at the next level possible. I mean, obviously money, right? Money, money plays a big, you know what I mean? Money plays the, the, the biggest uh, role in that stuff, right? So if you, uh, uh, some of this is a lot of hypothesis, but uh, I, I would feel comfortable backing this up. At some point in time, they just, the system decided, hey, you know what? We get these athletes in here People kind of like watching more people score points or more dynamic. It makes the it makes it more dynamic. Not that white people aren't dynamic. I'm not saying that at all. There's a lot of great white athletes, but let's make it a little bit more dynamic, right? Let's make let's switch it up a little bit. And, and, and now people feel more seats. People want to watch these things. People uh, uh, start paying more money, right? Now you start making more money. So the 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 cost of the scholarship does not matter that much as the cost of the ticket or the cost of the jersey sales because we'll make more off of or the cost of the education right because now you take a back education takes a takes a back seat and i'm not saying what schools where or this is every school but this is some right and it's enough so education starts to take a back seat to the the profit that you're bringing in and let's give them you know if the education is cheap then we make more profit right and you start cheating these kids and cheating these athletes. And I think that you start, when you start recruiting these, these kids from downtrodden areas, whatever, that don't, might not know better, right? Might not know going to college is huge for some people, right? So going to, so going to college is, is like, you've made it. You become the president of the United States, all right? I think that's a shame that you don't say, listen, going to college isn't enough. Like, don't, just like mattering isn't enough. Like I've been saying, black lives can't just matter. Like being being recognized as mattering is is the bare minimum. We need to thrive for more. And I I think in my head that it's not just a system issue, it's a, a, a an imagery issue. I was watching a, a video from 1970s. All right, and I'll break this, it's very in-depth, but I'll break this all down. And I don't, you know, I'm a huge follower of the Black Panthers and everything they've done. There are some, some, some rumors in the Black Panthers. I think there's rumors. I think they were trying to be broken down by the government. So I just stick with the things that I know they did positively, right? Just like any organization, there's some good eggs, there's some bad eggs, you know? But anyway, so it was Huey Newton. There was two doctors. Huey Newton's the leader of the Black Panthers. There was two doctors. They were on a 1970s uh, uh, talk show with these white uh, uh, hosts. And the, the host was like, you know, how do we 
change things for kind of like what we're talking about right now. How do we change things? How do we uh, uh, make things better for, for, for African-Americans? And you got to remember, this is like the middle of the civil rights movement, right? Not too long after. Uh, so one of the doctors talked about the issues of imagery, right? The imagery of a black man. It's just a systematic a way of breaking them down. And I'll take this back to the beginning. So originally black people weren't allowed to be in movies, right? That's why they did blackface and had white people dressed up, certain white people dressed up uh, as, you know, black men. One of the most popular movies, I can't remember but what it was, but at the time it was a man in blackface and it was a hugely, hugely successful movie. The black, the white man dressed up as a black guy in blackface was a criminal, right? And, and it's just, it was, it's grating. But a lot of black, a lot of white actors that did blackface at the beginning, they were not showing them as heroes. They were either servants, they were criminals, they were jailbirds, they were whatever they were. So you're just constantly pumping this imagery of a, a, a black man is bad. Just like when you say Don, not you, but when people say, Don, you speak proper, so you're white. So that separates white and black. And people don't just say that to me. They say it all the time. Black has to act ignorant. Black has to do this. Black has to do that. This is the images that we start to see, right? If you, uh, uh, if you don't talk a certain way or act a certain way, you're a sellout. You're, you're, you're white. That's not true. And we, kind of, we do that to ourselves sometimes. But we pump these negative images of African-Americans out there and then expect us to think that we would we would reach for anything more than, hey, we just went to college. The image is that black people go to jail all the time, right? So if we just go to college and take some BS degree, then we've got it, we've made it. But that's not, that's not it, that's not it. We have to educate the young brothers and sisters out there to want to be more than the images that have been pumped in their head. And imagery is a very powerful tool that you can either use to uplift or oppress. And I think that, the images in this country, you know, any strong black leader, they've been killed. You know what I mean? Huey Newton, killed. Malcolm X, killed. Martin Luther King, killed. Uh, you can say, for whatever, re you know, every way you look at Tupac, Tupac did support black people, and he did try to push uh, things forward positively in his own way. He was 25 years old, so give him a little bit of a break, but killed, right? Uh, the images that you see right now, why do you think they keep showing black men being killed and slaughtered? Yes, part of it, I do believe, is to spread the information. Part of it, I think, is a desensitization. And, and when you wake up every morning, I know when I wake up every morning, and I see on Twitter another black man died, another person that looked like me died. It devalues my own life. But I have to sort out through that. And I'm old enough and I'm wise enough to know, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to go to the slaughter, right? I'm not here to I'm not here to die, right? And but even in uh look at images in movies or images on TV shows, who's the gangster, right? Who's who in mafia movies? Mafia movies are about smart white men, right? But gangster movies, those dudes are ignorant. They're selling crack. They're doing whatever. They I mean, just look at it. it's a systematic problem, and we have to have to be better. We can't bring kids in, give them these bullshit scholarships. Uh, 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 in communications or, or uh, undecided or, you know, art, I don't know. I, yeah, not that they're bad majors like yeah. or whatever, but we have to educate them to want to be better and we have to invest in them being better. 
And I'm I'm drawing a blank on that movie, but it was in Thirteenth too, where they were talking about, you know, the one uh, the convict and how it was like he was a savage and like I might be off with this, but like he like in the movie like rapes and kills somebody and yep. like it's yep. something like that. Yep. And yeah, a, a white woman, mm-hmm. and then so like look at this too. All right, and I want well this is very real. All right, I'm gonna put this out here right now. You look at images. This is how strong images are, right? If, if if black people are bad, if black people are ignorant, if black people are are whatever, the images show, right? And you say, ah, well, you know, that's just, you know, it's a movie, it's this, it's that. All right. So then when a white woman dates or marries a a, a, a black man, why do they immediately get devalued? Right? I know white women that have been told you can't date if you date a black man. White men will no longer find you attractive. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, a generalization, but that's what their parents told them, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, my, my wife has been told, I didn't know you were into that sort of thing. I didn't know you were into that kind of thing. I didn't, oh, we never expect you to be a black man because we didn't know you were into that kind of thing. Like I'm a, you know, weird kink, right? Like, well, we didn't know you were into that kind of thing or whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, it, it, again, the images, the images of us being savages, the images of us, uh, uh, you know, if the blackface and the convict uh, raping the white woman, uh, if you don't think King Kong was a uh, uh, metaphor, come on. Uh, it's just those images can mess you up so bad or, you know, it just, it's just a form of brainwashing. You know, I'm not sitting there saying like the old school, like, you know, the swirly lines, like I'm saying like way more subliminally way of brainwash. And again, anytime a white woman is with a black man, that white woman gets immediately devalued and not by everyone, but there are a lot of people that do sometimes their own family. Now my wife, her family hundred percent supports me but I have been in instances where I, 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 I've been told I wasn't good enough because I was a black man, or I've been told, uh, you know, my dreams were not good enough because I was a black man and they, they should be with someone that has higher aspirations as far as, you know, whatever. Or, you know, I remember uh, sitting down with a certain family and uh, when I was in college and I'll never forget, they said, you know, Uncle Beer Can would never approve of, of uh, Don. They had an Uncle Beer Can, so you could imagine, yeah, you, that kind of, yeah. So that's the kind of, that's what I was dating at the time. But uh, uh, it's just, it's sad. And like some people, they think it's, that's why I say it's not just about the police. The police never sat me down and said, you're not good enough for our daughter because you're black. You know what I mean? Police never did that to me. Uh, police, police, uh, you know, Police never uh, hung a noose down the street that I jog on all the time. You know what I mean? Police didn't do that. Police didn't kill uh, Aubrey. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a part of a systematic problem. And I think that us coming together, no matter what race, like I said, your arm's broke. We need to fix the arm. We are broke, broken, broken. And we need to fix, we need to all come together to help fix that part of the body. Because, you know, people when we look at black on black crime, they want to do this and that, like this and that. Well, if you systematically oppress a race of people for hundreds of years, you, you give them nothing, 
you take their opportunities of of being able to uh, you know provide, what are they going to turn into? They're going to provide any way they can. I'm not excusing drug dealers or anything like that, but you can see how that stuff can come about. You can see how that stuff gets set up. I just think that we are so broken from a years of slavery and years of oppression that we we need help any way we can get it. Well, and I think, though, you know, going back to the education thing, I think that the two public services, if we may, that seem to be the most downtrodden when it comes to adding to these problems are that and the education system and the fact of how both of these systems, if you look at it, have been set up to hamstring one and help push forward another, you know, like, I don't, I, I don't know how to fix that. Like the, the idea of how the system of education is basically reliant upon your property taxes is almost the most blatant caste system in the history of mankind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I don't, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know. You know, I don't have all the answers. You know what I mean? Like I, I just see some of the problems. I have a few solutions for some of the problems I can affect and I can just scream as loud as possible and hope that the right person hears my voice and we can get things fixed. And again, like, I know like people are angry. I know like, you know, you know, all of us are angry at certain, you know, I, I and, and it's, it's, it's hard sometimes because I have a lot of, you know, my grandma's from Germany. You know I mean? My grandma's white. My wife is white. I have white friends. I have, you know, a lot of white people have helped me out in this industry a lot. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously the industry of coaching. Right. But, uh, you, you, you get so angry, you know what I mean? And you just like, you feel like for me, I've felt some type of way and I don't know how to like, to, to, to express my opinions or express my uh, voice without, I don't know, just, it just been a, a complete cloud in my head of, I don't want to be angry, be angry at sorry. white people because they are not the problem. There's certain people that are the problem. Uh, it's just, it's a constant struggle, honestly. Like, you know, I love white people. I do. I love all people. I don't, there's not one person or one type or one religion, one uh, uh, sexuality, one anything that I have a problem with unless you're a prick. You know what I mean? But besides, like, it's just, I don't know how to fix these problems without all of us coming together. And we have to realize that we have a broken arm and we need to fix that arm. And it might take some time. It might be six to eight weeks in a cast. But you know what? We got to figure it out. We can't just walk around living with our arm broke. Like, it's not good enough. It's not, it never was and it never will be. And we just got to keep fighting, like keep fighting every single day. Yeah. And, you know, I think through, Don, to, to kind of tie back into some things that you brought up earlier, you know, and it was like the idea of people being afraid of what to say and, and how to say it and all those things. And I 100%, that, that was me, man, like 100%. And then, you know, again, I, I, dude, every time we talk, I, I talk about how awesome my guys are. And, you know, getting to sit down and talk with, with three of these young men who are really active right now with everything going on, and really being told, like, 
called out for it, you know? I mean, I think that that's what's important too, is to understand that if you're in a group where you're willing to be critiqued by these young people and you're willing for them to talk about how you coach them or how you program for them, like these other things shouldn't be a problem. But to, to hear him say like, nah, man, like the emotion's important. Like when you're angry, like people need to know. And, and to hear them be like, you know, like when you're angry, that's when you need to reach out to people or like to put something or to say something and to do something because things don't always happen with sunshine and rainbows, you know, like it, it just isn't that way. And I think part of that, you know, as we talk about this coaching profession, so many of us are so afraid of losing our jobs, right? For whatever reason, if we come off too emotional or too brash or too whatever, because of whatever, because you said the wrong thing that maybe isn't PC enough on that day and someone complains or whatever, right? Like we all worry about that. But to hear them tell me that has really changed how I've been. You know, there have been three or four times in the past week or two. I mean, shoot, just, what was it, Friday or Saturday? It was yep. like, I was mad. So yep. I hit you up. I'm like, dude, we got to talk. Like there's some things like the, the that we need to sit down and, and talk about to be better. And I think, again, I, I pump these kids up so much. Like you, you, people shouldn't be thinking that like, I, you know, they're paying me, but I mean, they kind of are, but um, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's, they make me better and they're making me better by holding me accountable to doing these things. And, and that's important. Like, like if you are upset, don't just sit there and like pretend you're going to do something on Twitter and then not do it. Like, I mean, like Jacob said flat out, like he, he named one of my friends that he knows. He's like, you know what you should be doing? You should be calling him. Like you should be calling these guys, like call your friends, call your colleagues, call the people that you know that like, let, let them know you're mad too be mad with them and find out ways you can help. Because I think that that, like if we're all sitting here and we're all scared to say the wrong thing, we're never going to know what the right thing is to say. Yeah. We're, we're just, you just paralyzed by inaction. And, and like I said, that that's what oppressors want you to do. Take, Hey, don't take their side. Hey, you don't have to take my side. Just, just stay silent and we'll handle this. Right. I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's very simple. Like, if I'm, you know, if like the I, I I think about this quote a lot, you know, by Huey P. Newton, the life of a revolutionary is a doomed one. I'm not trying to blow myself up at all. This is just my mindset uh, because it's not like I'm not that big. But anyway, uh, this is way bigger than me. But like for me, like if I'm not afraid to lose my life for this movement, then like what's what's my job? You know, what I mean, at that at that like at that level of things like and that's honestly how I think I'm like you know what people get pissed off the wrong person you know whoever maybe whoever hung that noose up could break in my house kill me but like if anything that might start something good you know what I mean that might start uh, a trend or you know not a trend but like a, a movement uh, that might add to the movement but for me like I think for and I feel for you know I, I, I had a hard problem with people that weren't speaking up, you know what I mean? And, and Candace Walls really helped me out with that. Like, however your platform is, use it. 
You know what I mean? Some people might not be on social media. I am. I, I, I happen to be on social media. I, I, I have access to, to, to you calling me about doing this podcast, you know, uh, and however my, that this is my platform. You know what I mean? This is my platform to use. Not everyone has this platform. Some people might be calling their friends behind the scenes. Some people, whatever your platform is, you owe it to not just, you know, it's, you owe it to the human race to bring everyone together. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, we don't want to be separate. You know what I mean? We want to be together, but right now we're broken. So we got to fix each other. And then we'll, we, so we can get into the fold of things again. You know what I mean? I, I think that, I don't know. I think that it's, it's a hard conversation, I guess, for certain people, but at the end of the day, if you don't know what to say, then at least listen. You know what I mean? And let yourself become educated so that you you can help out. You know, like, for example, uh, completely unrelated to race. All right. I had uh, uh, someone tell me about uh, a certain lifestyle thing that was completely conflict, not conflicting, completely opposite out of the realm of where my lifestyle is. Right. But I listened and listening helped them out tremendously and there were some things like we could talk about I could talk about from my perspective of my struggles and help them with their struggles because there is some common ground in everything we're still we're humans right so there are going to be common ground I'm not a Martian and they're not an earthling you know what I mean so there is common ground on on any any topic so their thing that they were struggling with or that they had experienced or are experiencing whatever we could talk about and I could help out with, even though it's a completely different realm of where I live, right? So I think when it comes to the race issue, you know, for a, a, a Caucasian male, they might be in a completely different realm than where I'm living, right? But they can at least listen. And then maybe we can find common ground, but it starts with conversation. You can't find common ground if you don't have conversation. No, and I think, too, that, like, to piggyback that, there are more and more people that are more and more willing to allow for their platforms to be there for that. Because, you know, for some people, myself included, it really might be the best thing that you have to offer. Yeah, I mean... You know, I mean, I, just talking, you know, to to people, it, it helps too. You know what I mean? It's it's like you got all these suppressed. I will use myself on this one. All right. So, you know, my grandma is, is white. I have a lot of white friends. I have a white wife. Right. Uh, a, a, a white lady is the reason that I am in the position I am in and has literally changed my life, has changed my entire life because of giving me this position. So when all these things, these images of uh, white people killing black people are starting to pop up on my Twitter every time I get on Twitter, every single morning, right? I wake up, check my social media, another person getting killed by a, a police officer. My, my anger doesn't go for the police, it goes more general, right? And then I have to be like, no, I, I don't feel like I shouldn't feel that way. Why am I feeling this way? Like, like and you, you're very upset, you know, you're just very upset and distraught and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, but like people 
I've been able to reach out to people and they've listened to me and they've offered their like not condolences, but their 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 ears. They've offered, you know, hey Don, like, you know, we love you. Like, how what can we do? What can we do? Like just letting me vent, you know what I mean? Like freely and openly. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I, I again, I am I'm I'm a third white too. So I'm not like racist against white people, but it's just, it hurts, right? You're hurt. You're just hurt. You're like, how could this happen? And then you also think like, am I not worth anything that I can just get killed out on the street? Am I not worth anything that if I jog by uh, one place one day, I'm going to see a noose the next day. Am I, you know, like what, am I devalued as a human being? So you're conflicted with, well, I can't, I like these people are killing me and, and these, these people are saying I'm not worth anything. So what, where do I fit in in this world? But thankfully, I have people that let me talk and let, listen to me and, and help consult me and console me on these instances. And I think that's the exact same way for uh, people that don't know how to have these conversations with, with uh, you know, their African-American colleagues or whatever it is. Sometimes it's just letting them vent and listen and not getting upset with what they might say or not getting personal about what they might say or, you know, the worst thing I've seen so far besides whatever me personally, we were in Savannah the other day and I thought it was important. My cousin was in town. So I took him to Savannah and there was a protest. We were on this trolley and uh, he's, he's, he's mixed too, but he, his parents are more uh, Caucasian. My, both my parents are black. His, his mom is mixed and his dad is Caucasian. So he looks more Caucasian. So he doesn't, I've realized he hasn't gone through it to the amount of depth that I might have. And me and him had after having conversations with him because he can kind of camouflage himself uh except for when his hair grows out you can tell but uh so so me and him that's probably why he keeps it short but anyway so uh you know there was a a, a rally a, a, not a, rally, a protest uh uh donald trump has rallies but there was a protest a peaceful protest going on and uh me and him were on a trolley tour and they're like yeah we got to turn the trolley around peaceful protest I was like, hey, let's go to this protest, like impromptu protest, like you need to see this. So we're at the protest and I, you know, I'm standing with them and all that stuff. And then a man and I'm, we're down in Savannah and there's like a lot of art people down in Savannah. So SCAD was putting on the protest and you know, art people, they're not the biggest people in the world. So a man approaches and I'm right where he is, uh, a white man approaches and he goes, all lives matter, all lives matter. And my cousin looks to me and he goes, you're going to have to be the one that fights this guy. I go, oh, shoot. <laughs> Thankfully, the police stepped in, and I didn't have to fight the, the man because he didn't, you know, it never got to that, that point of, of, of physicality uh, with anyone in the crowd. But had it, I would have had to. I was the biggest guy there. Like, there was not even – uh, even close but anyway and i'm not advocating violence i'm saying if someone starts violence you can't let that happen but uh uh to, i don't want to see anyone get hurt uh so anyway you know it, it was it was it was important for him to see that and it was important for him to kind of you know notice that kind of stuff but also see the response to these kind of things too i mean unfortunately the news, my cousin was out there with me. He's like, this, this stuff, like, he's the one that saw it first. Cause I jog around that. I jog past the house all the time, but I've never seen the news and it's never been there. So I'm just, you know, jogging normal, talking to my cousin, whatever, and not thinking that there's going to be a noose out there. And he goes, Hey, you see that? 
was like, here we go. And he's like, do they know you live here? I was like, I've walked past this house a hundred times during the coronavirus. So they probably know I live around here now, but like, I don't know. I just think you got to have those conversations. And I know I've, I'm so far off from the question and the point you had asked, but like, I just, you, 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 you got to have those conversations with people. You got to start those conversations. You got, you got to talk to them in depth and you, you, you know, uh, Huey Newton said less, uh, less, uh, politically, as I'm going to put it now, I think a big problem is you have to, as a, a Caucasian, you know, you have to look at what influences have caused me to think a certain way. And how do I encounter my own stereotypes, or my own prejudices, which ones do I have? So I have to admit that I have some, we all do. I'm not perfect. We all have prejudices, right? And, and then we have to figure out how we, we, we encounter them, fight them, talk with people, how to solve them and have those conversations. You know, I, I just think it's so important that we have conversations because there can be no, no deeper meaning, no dialogue, no, 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 uh, no progress without conversations. And, and, you know, you have to have them. You have to have to have them. Yes, 100%. You know, like implicit bias is a real thing. And it's probably something that's never going to change just because of how people are wired. Right. But that doesn't mean that you can't do this. It doesn't mean that, like, you know, what was the old uh, In Living Color skit? Like, can't we all just get along? You know, like, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you can't, right? And I think that, you know, you brought up that cowardly display like that your neighbor has you know and we talked about about you know Bubba earlier and all of that and I think that again like you know kind of what we started talking about a little before is when these people go to these extreme situations and do these things it's because they're starting to realize that maybe their time's come and their back's against the wall because people, all sorts of people, everybody, there, there are so many different aspects of this. I'm sure not all of them, but there are so many different aspects on all of this that people are like, yo, what? No, this has got to, all right, we got to fix some things. And there are some people that might just be a little fat and happy with what, what's going on. And I think that, like we talked about before, Obviously, it's not good. But to see that there's some fear in these people, because, again, we're at that tipping point of change, means that we need to do more of this. And I'm really glad that we were able to, you and I especially, are able to just be like, how you doing? Yeah. I'm not good. All right. Give me 10. I'll call you. You know? That's important, man. And, like, it can't it can't just be because we're in quarantine and who knows what this covid thing is going to do and that it's all fresh in our minds and because people are still putting hashtags and, and instagram stories out like human decency needs to be human decency 
hundred, 110%. And you have to, uh, you have to have like, you know, when you see injustice, you got to call it out. Like, you know, I got a text message, uh, right before we, we got on together, like, uh, you know, Hey, this is going to the mayor's office just so you know. And like, I was like, yeah, yeah. But like before when someone had hit me up the other night, I put it on Instagram so people could see like, this is still out here. Be careful. Like, be careful. Uh, you know, they, someone had texted me and like, Hey, do you want me to talk to the mayor? I'm, I'm close with them. And I was like, you know, almost from that, that, uh, mindset of, you know, I'd say the old slave mindset that unfortunately I think older generations of black people have no, don't, don't upset the white man. Like, don't, don't upset him or bad, bad stuff will happen. I was like, no, like we speak out good, like we speak out against injustice. You have to speak out against injustice or what I will talk about. Uh, I don't know much depth on it, but I know metal, uh, had a response to, uh, black lives matter. And I, and from what I've heard, uh, it wasn't a very positive one. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so, you know, as soon as elite FTS took the stand of, we will not sell any more metal gear. I threw out my briefs. Like, you know, I would rather have a little crappy, you know, squat than add 200 pounds on my squat with my briefs. Like it's not, it, my, me being able to sleep at night and uh, uh, the moving, moving forward are the most important things. So again, when it comes to, you know, my parents, please, or, you know, whatever, uh, 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 the, the noose, I don't know if that was a direct threat or not. I have no idea. I'd like to think it wasn't. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that maybe like the kids would just play. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I can't operate in that mindset. So I hope it wasn't as serious as I think it was. Uh, or it could be, uh, but again, I haven't seen it. it. If the shoe fits, uh, whatever it might be, uh, me, my, 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 you know, my parents thinking that I'm going to lose my job, which I am no way, shape or form been informed or threatened or anything like that. I will not lose my job because they could never replace someone for how cheap I get paid. Uh, so like, uh, you know, those things you still, you got to speak out. You can't be afraid of those things. You can't fear those things because, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, the movement is way bigger than one person. I do believe one person can change the entire course of the world because at one point in time, Martin Luther King was one person. Uh, Huey P. Newton was one person. Malcolm X was one person. Gandhi was one person at some point in time. And I do believe one person can change the world, like I said earlier, but one person isn't the whole movement, right? And and we, you, you can kill a revolutionary, you can silence a revolutionary, but you can't stop an idea and you can't stop the revolution. So I do think that I am hopeful now that athletes are protesting about playing in states with Confederate flags, uh, uh, which people said, I think we talked about before, maybe before the, the talk started, but uh, the, the Confederate flag is a treasonous flag. They lost the war. Their second... The, Second place, right? Why are we celebrating that? And I, it, it makes no sense to me. Like, you know, I saw a quote the other day, uh, Satan is a big part of Christian history. But if you put up statues of Satan everywhere, you might wonder, do they worship Satan, right? You don't see statues of Satan all over the, the churches, right? Because if you did, you'd be like, uh, am I the, the Holy Baptist church or am I in the the... the the church of Satan, but you know, I just, you gotta keep fighting, man. You gotta like, again, like a, 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 a 
you see how far this thing has gone. And this is the first time that I've been hopeful. The civil rights movement, you know, I learned about in school, but it was just, it's just something on the pages, pages, you know, four through 10 in American history. It was there and it was gone. Uh, this, I think, is going to be something that continues to build and continues to grow. I think now that, you know, uh, athletes and different people are getting in, in, involved in it, I think now that they're taking down those Confederate statues, I think now that the NCAA for once stepped up and did the right thing, uh, you know, and said they're not going to play postseason games in states that highly favor the Confederate flag, that's going to force people to change. And, you know, to me, it's just, you can say heritage, but at the end of the day, these, these dudes were, were slave owners. They, they killed black people for no other reason than they were black. They enslaved black people for no other reason than the fact they were black. Some of them were so passionate about the cause that they stopped being slave owners and took up guns and arms so they could keep their slaves, right? Some of the people that uh, we named military forts after uh, down here. But, you know, why would you want that as part of your history? I wouldn't. I don't want that as part of my history. I wouldn't, you know, if, uh, I, I just don't, I, I, I wouldn't wear a flag that supported that. So to me, it's, it's either learned racism or ignorance that they don't understand the true depth of what the Confederate flag actually means. I mean, hell, I remember one time seeing a poster for Confederate month not, uh, 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 a billboard for Confederate Month down here. I was like, ah. Oh. I mean, from that moment on, I I've been on alert even way before this movement started happening. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for being on, Don. I'm I'm really glad we got to do this. I uh, and I'm glad that I know that you know you got my back and you know you're supporting me too when it comes to all these things because you know. I know there's a lot on your plate and I know that things are, you're, you're really in the middle of it all, but uh, to be willing to sit and talk a few times about all this before we even got to this point, you know, when we, we got it down. Um, it, it means a lot, man. And I'm, I'm truly grateful for, for it and for you and, and, and for taking the time, man. This is great. Thanks. Hey, anytime. And I, I, I truly appreciate you. I truly appreciate you supporting the movement and, continuing to spread knowledge and, and, and helping out because there are a lot of coaches in, in high places that have high platforms that just check the box or just say their little, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a racist check, you know, whatever it might be, but for you to have me on and let me speak freely, you know, and openly, uh, and you know, I'm not the most uh, uh, politically correct person in the world. So I just speak it through how it is. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you you doing that for me and for the movement and for, for everyone. Thanks, my man. We'll be in touch soon, bud. All right.